The reading is taken from Luke 8, verses 5 to 15. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on, as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Alice. Thank you. Great. Wow. What a, what a parable. I think we better pray as we look at it. So yeah, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Uh, thank you for, for the seeds going out today. And Lord, we pray that, uh, that those seeds that are being sown uh, would find good soil in us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Phenomenal. So I'd love to offer you a number, a number between one and a hundred, and they're for keeps. How many are you going to go for? Each one is going to bring you immense joy. True, sometimes there's going to be pain mixed in with the joy. But in the end, the joy will win the day. And the choice is yours. In fact, if you push me, I'm sure you can have more than 100. How many will you go for? How many will you go for? Have you ever asked a small child how many chocolates they want? What reply did you hear? The answer was, as big a number as they can get in their head. So it's either a hundred or a thousand or a billion or a zillion, or you might hear them say, infinity and beyond. That's how many chocolates I want. Let's build a tower. How big should the tower be? Up to the sky. Okay. Let's go running. How fast are you at running? How fast do you want to be? I want to be as fast as a cheetah. 
And when you were young, when I was young, I'm sure we all had similar ambitions. There was absolutely no limit. So why do we settle as we get older? Well, you say, eating a zillion chocolates just can't possibly be healthy. And building a tower to the sky, well, that's hard work, isn't it? And as far as running as fast as a cheat is concerned, that has to be humanly impossible. However, I think Jesus wants us to hear from this passage that we do settle too often so quickly. Rupert told us last week that plants grow naturally. It's just what plants do. They grow. And in fact, it might be seen as the definition of a healthy plant, that it grows. And we can also see a healthy plant producing seeds. That's what they do. Healthy plants produce seeds. It's in their very DNA. And so, therefore, the same is, the tr- is true of the case with our plants that we see planted in the good soil. It produces a crop even of a hundred times what is sown. And historians tell us that this particular crop that Jesus was referring to in his day sometimes produced 35 seeds. That was sort of a standard good crop was 35. 60 was impressive and 100 was exceptional. But what Jesus offers is something that is exceptional. He offers us 100 times what's earned and asks us to expect that. So I'm going to make the case today that we often settle for less than Jesus would offer us, and that there is more on offer for us, which will be good for us, unlike those zillion chocolates, and good for others as well. And so to get there, we need to ask three questions. And the first one is going to be to consider the soil. What is the soil that Jesus is talking about? The second one is going to be to consider the seed. What is, what is the seed in this parable? And then finally, we'll ask a question of ourselves, looking at how is your soil? How is your soil? So we start off with what's the soil? And in this point, we might need to get on our, our welly boots and our imagination and get out there into the fields of an agrarian culture. And I'm sure that many of us here are very at home in the countryside and in the fields. So you can imagine the farmer as he heads out in the field and he's got his sack of seeds over his shoulder. He goes out in late autumn or early winter, scattering his seed in rows. And then he waits through the winter and he waits as spring hits to see whether there's going to be a crop rising up out of the ground and bearing fruit. And it's obviously not quite that simple because we know from this parable that not every seed produces a crop. So this is what we find. We find that some seed falls on the hardened ground of verses 5 and 12. And these seeds don't have time to germinate. They bounce as they hit the ground and then they're snatched up by the birds of the air. The path is too hard to receive that seed into the soil. And in fact, we sometimes find when the word is sown, 
that our hearts can be the same, focused on other things, and the seed just bounces off our hearts. And then there's some seeds that fall on the rock, which we see in verses 6 and 13. And in Israel, there's often a, a layer of limestone, of rock just below the surface, maybe an inch or two down. And so these seeds are the ones that find themselves in the soil. But then as the root is produced, it can't go down deep enough and it can't get enough water to absorb into the plant. And so therefore growth is stunted and in the time of testing, they disappear. And then we find that there's some seed which falls on the ground which looks so good in that late autumn or early winter when it's sown. There don't appear to be any weeds there. But as time progresses and winter moves into spring, the weeds or the thorns grow. And apparently the weeds can grow up to, or the thorns up to six foot in that area during that time. And so these seeds germinate and they grow, but they find themselves strangled in verses 7 and 14. And therefore they don't mature. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures get the best of them. And then finally, there's the seed that falls on the good soil in verses 8 and 15. And that seed produces a crop of a hundred times what is sown. These are the ones who hear the word, retain it, persevere, and therefore produce fruit. Friends, we are the soil. And the results of the crop are our responses to the word of God over our lifetime. There's no indication that this is a, a crop cycle as a, a once-off event, and there's no indication that we move between the soils at different times of our lives. This is our response over our lifetime. And I find that really helpful because it gives us some serious hope. Friends, the scores aren't yet on the doors. Time is still ticking. The race isn't over. And in a way, we can imagine that we're in the equivalent season of maybe winter or early spring. We've seen some growth, but the harvest isn't in yet. And the harvest could be so much greater than we expect. Remember, through our COVID lockdown times, we were always talking about R's, weren't we? Uh, Matt Hancock was giving us some R rates. You know, he spoke about if, if we're above one, we start getting worried and, you know, we head into lockdown or into a different tier. Or if we got somewhere near two, I remember us being 1.9 at one stage. If we got near, near two, then it's serious panic sta stations and we, we really batten down the hatches. Now, I don't want to compare the gospel to a virus. That's probably not a good idea because the gospel is full of hope and good news. But if it was, friends, we've got a potential R of 100. A potential R of 100. Just imagine how fast that could go around the world. That is the hope of the seed that is in you today and that is on offer to us today. How exciting is that? So that's the soil. Now we start to look at the seed that gets planted in us. Seeds are mentioned all over the Bible. They appear in both Testaments. 
and Jesus, living in an agrarian culture, was a fan of using seeds as imagery and as a metaphor, since he knew that people around him would understand him. And in fact, this is an interesting one, the first time Jesus is alluded to in the Bible, he appears as a seed. This is what um, God says to Satan in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and hers, the woman's seed. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Jesus is the seed of woman that crushes Satan's head. And we see that on the cross, Jesus striking a fatal blow to the evil one. And in John's gospel, Jesus speaks about himself as the seed and how he's going to accomplish uh, something amazing on the cross. He speaks of himself as the seed, as a, a kernel of wheat. Listen to his words in John chapter 12. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, to be glorified. That's to hang on the cross. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus is the seed that died in the ground and was raised to life, producing a crop. What a glorious image. And that crop that was produced is us, is you and me. We are that crop. But in fact, he goes further than that. He calls us to follow him. He calls us to die with him and so to produce a crop to him as we are raised a new life. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. When we choose to live for Jesus, we have his life in us. That little seed of the word of God in verse 11, with all its DNA, germinates in us, and suddenly it's no longer a seed, but it's a seed-bearing plant. And the word of God is a description in the Bible that's used of Jesus, and it's used about the good news about Jesus. You see, in the years after Jesus' death and his resurrection, his followers shared this message of the good news with others. Even at Pentecost, the day of the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 were added to the number. 3,000 believed. And so new seeds were planted and new life sprung up all over the world. And then those seeds were scattered further and they were scattered down the generations till eventually a seed was scattered to you and scattered to me. A seed reached you with the same DNA of growth potential. And that seed is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God, the good news of Jesus, dying like a little seed being planted on the ground. God dying 
for you. But he didn't remain in the ground. He defeated death and he sprung up to new life on the third day. And he passes his death and his life onto all who are willing to receive him. Jesus is the word of God, that seed that we get to share with others. So we've looked at the soil and we've looked at the seed, and next we get to look at, at our soil. How is your soil, we might ask. Last week I, I walked around Pimlico with a friend and we did something amazing. We prayed for people who were in need of healing. And we did this because Jesus sent his followers out to do exactly that. He sent them out to, to pray for people to be healed and to share the good news. So we did that. But I'm not very used to going up to people randomly on the street and saying, uh, would you like me to pray for healing for, for anything? I go to the church just down the road. Um, and so I felt completely out of my comfort zone. And fortunately, the chap I was with does this quite often. And so he gave me some strength and, and some comfort. But we actually saw people healed out on the streets in Pimlico. It is amazing. We went up to one woman who was uh, uh, limping with a, with a, with a, with a stick. Um, she had a knee which sort of folded inwards a bit. It looked um, pretty difficult to, to live with. And we asked her how her pain was on a scale of 1 to 10. And her answer was 10. So we prayed. And we asked her again, and she said it is down to a five. And we prayed again, and we asked her a third time, and she said it was down to zero. The pain was gone. And I was reminded that if I'd stayed in my comfort zone, that lady wouldn't have experienced the power and good news of God. Our culture places such a high premium, such a high value, on being comfortable and settled. We don't want to upset people, and we don't want to unsettle ourselves, because suddenly the future becomes unpredictable. But what if you and I settle too quickly for plateauing in our relationship with Jesus? What if, in this parable, Jesus wants us to tell us that he's got more on offer for us? What if he wants to tell us that he doesn't place a high premium on the riches and pleasures and worries that occupy my mind and yours so often? Wouldn't that be a great reminder to us? Isn't this a reminder to us that the church, as someone has said, isn't a luxury liner? It's a rescue boat. And I find this parable rather unsettling because I think maybe we should. And I wonder if you might find it unsettling too. Jesus doesn't unsettle us unless it's for our good. So if we are unsettled by it, it has to be for our good. Do you think he might be speaking to you through his word of his parable today? Sometimes we settle for too little. We can be content with that little seed that Jesus planted in us, remaining a seed or not producing a crop. But wouldn't that be a crazy idea if you were to apply it to a plant? So I've, I've got a couple of seeds here. These are some packs of, of seeds. These are jalapeno chilies. Um, these are 
uh, rocket seeds. Um, uh, those ones are carrots. And these ones are some sweet corn seeds. And in fact, the sweet corn seeds um, look just a little bit like that. What would you expect these seeds to turn into? Well, you, know, you can expect them to turn into corn and <laughs> rocket um, and jalapenos and carrots. That's what, what you'd expect them to turn into because those are the seeds that they are. And you'd be disappointed if these little seeds didn't turn into the things that are mentioned on the packet. Friends, a seed of the gospel has been planted in you. And so years down the line, you don't get any chairs for holding up a little seed and saying, Lord, I've still got that seed that you handed on to me. Seeds aren't meant to remain seeds. They're meant to be planted. They're meant to die in the ground and therefore come up in a whole new way of living, a new life with completely different shape. And what if you said, Guy, you know, I'm happy to take the seed and like, let's grow it into a plant, but I'm not all that interested in producing a crop. Wouldn't you think that's crazy as well? Wouldn't you think that seed is missing its potential, missing what it's been created for? But isn't that the same with us? We so often settle for minimal cost, minimal sacrifice, maximum comfort, and maximum security, and we miss out on the potential of the very DNA of the seed of the gospel that has been planted in us. But I've got to say that there is so much fruit that we've seen amongst us in this church, in this harvest field, which excites me so much. And I love having a front row seat of it. And I, I think of a, a chap who, in a recent Alpha, um, came to faith in Jesus. And in the next one, he invited in his parents. And they came because they saw of that change in his life, something that had been planted and grown something that had changed. Um, and, and that is something that didn't happen out of great effort. It's something that happened naturally. That's what happens when life appears. I think of, of another lady uh, who had been going on along the road with Jesus for ages. She's in her 80s and in a recent alpha, she invited all her friends. And so we got to meet her hairdresser and her physio and many others, and they'd seen something in her, life in her, that they wanted. They'd seen a growth that they wanted replicated in their own lives. And so we got to meet so many. It doesn't matter if you've recently become a Christian or you've been there for a long time. We can see life and seed and, and flourishing and fruitfulness, uh, whatever, wherever we are in the road. I love watching the gospel bearing fruit, the word of God bearing fruit. I think more recently of a time where a chap in this church heard what Rupert shared with him um, in one of his Mark's Gospel talks. And this chap realized that actually obeying the word of God for him at that time meant giving up his lucrative job in obedience to God and obedience to his word. And in fact, this last Friday, two days ago, was his last day of work. That's what obedience to God's word looked like for him and fruitfulness meant for him. So where does this leave us? 
I think it leaves us with a few final questions. It leaves us with the question of, are you ready to let the seed of Jesus embed into your heart, embracing his death on your behalf and receiving the life of Jesus which is on offer? Are you ready to sink deep roots into Jesus so that you'll endure hardship when it inevitably comes? Are you ready to submit your worries, your riches, and your pleasures to Jesus to avoid being choked? Are you ready to come to Jesus, maybe like a little child, asking for a great crop, asking for infinity and beyond? So I come to you and I offer you a number between one and a hundred. And therefore keeps. How many are you going for? Each will bring you immense joy. True. Sometimes there'll be pain that's mixed with the joy. But in the end, the joy will win the day. The choice is, is yours. In fact, if you push me, I'm sure that you can have more than a hundred. How many will you go for? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for you. I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you that you died like a little seed being buried in the soil. And thank you that you were raised to new life for us, producing a crop. Thank you for the seed of the word that you offer to us. Thank you for the life inside that. Thank you for the life of your word. And I want to pray, Lord, that you would embed your seed, your life in us, that we would die with you and be raised to new life in you. I want to pray that we sink some deep roots, Lord, that endure hardship. Lord, we submit our worries to you, our riches to you, our pleasures to you. We don't want to be choked of that life that's on offer. And Lord, today we want to come to you like a little child, asking for a great crop. Lift our eyes up, Lord. Lift our eyes and do something amazing through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.